Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. When you're evaluating wide receivers now, Justin Jefferson would now be the standard. Right. So everyone that you talk about when you look at these guys, how do they compare to Justin Jefferson? Right. We'll use him as the gold standard because he's a top five receiver. When you look at the blueprint of the Vikings, historically, when they've been good, they've been able to get sacks. Right. So do you have enough bodies up front to be able to get after because you have to be able to knock the quarterback down to win? Welcome inside the Indiana Convention Center at Lucas Oil Stadium. For the NFL Combine edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Twin Cities Orthopedics. My name is Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside my co-host Tatum Everett from Vikings.com. And uh, today we have the special privilege of being joined by my guy, fan of the show. A uh, guy, we talked about it before in Take One, a guy that I grew up watching in North Carolina yeah. from the same area, Mr. Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. How you doing, man? What's up, man? My favorite people. What's going on? <laughs> Not much. Not, Not much. much. Uh, yeah, this is an exciting time for you. I mean, it, it, I know that's cliche to say it's your Super Bowl, but it is kind of one of those times where it all starts to click, huh? Yes. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a big time because for scouts, this is what it is. Scouts, it's all about the draft. It's about the combine. Uh, you're amongst it. This is the big convention. You have all the football folks, with the exception of the teams that didn't bring their coaches. Yeah. It's the one time that everybody is in one location. You get a chance to really have a meeting of the minds, not only talk about prospects and what teams are going to do with the draft, but what's the latest trends in the league. Yeah. You catch it up with old friends. It's really a great week to kind of be a football person to be in the league. Right. I mean, over the next few days, we'll see, what, nearly 300 draft prospects uh, compete against themselves in a handful of drills. and. Um, hopefully, you know, those drills benefit the Vikings outside of the other, I mean, opposed to the other 31 teams, but for, for this team, right, this Minnesota Vikings team, the, the, the team that wears purple, how, how do you define success in a week that, you know, there won't be any wins and losses on a, on a scoreboard? Well, I mean, the way that you go about it is you're looking for guys that fit the profile. What the Vikings want to be about, the culture that's been created in the locker room, everyone on the outside has seen Kevin O'Connell's post-game speeches and the affinity that the team appears to have for each other. And so how can you identify a handful of prospects that fit that locker room? Because now that you've established a culture, you want to make sure that everybody that you bring in, they have those characteristics to make sure that they are a part of the fabric of the team and what appears to be a championship pedigree going forward. When you say say a word like fit uh, and you're looking at these prospects – we kind of we, we understand a little bit more about what to see in a Kevin O'Connell offense. And we know what to expect potentially from a Brian Flores defense. So what kind of prospects, when you mention fit, fit with a Flores defense? Well, I mean, when you think about defensively and what Flores comes from, he's going to have some of those traits and intangibles that came with him from the New England Patriots. Kevin O'Connell knows that he yeah. played for the Patriots. And so some of those characteristics are always going to be the same. And it doesn't sound cliche like, hey, they're going to want smart guys. Tough guys, guys that are about the team, guys that that selfless nature helps the team and that unit play at a higher level. The other thing that you can do is you can see a level of physicality that's going to be expected of everybody that takes the field on defense. When you think about Brian Flores, what he's been able to do first as a defensive coordinator in New England, then as a head coach with a defensive mindset in Miami, man, those guys played hard. They were super physical. They were versatile, which means they were adaptable to a bunch of different schemes. And so they're going to be the same core characteristics that you saw from Kevin O'Connell's offense 
in terms of the intelligence, the versatility, the adaptability, all those things are being played. And, and all that, you know, starts this weekend, right, with, you know, the uh, the handful of drills that they'll, they'll take care of. And uh, for, for you just covering this draft for so long, uh, being the expert that you are with NFL Network, like how do you or, or what other drills outside of the 40-yard dash do you really pay attention to that can make or break someone? You know, it's important for everyone to understand, like, a lot of the combine happens away from what we'll see. Yeah. The interviews and the medical are the two most important things that the guys get out of there. The medical part, to get the physicals, to see where they are physically, the durability, projections, all this stuff is important. The character assessment, having the interviews to see what the people are like. Not only your moral character, but your football character. Do you love the game? Are yeah. you willing to work at the game? How do you get along with your teammates? All of those things are super important. On the field, the 40 will get a lot of the attention, but it might be the least important drill when it comes to what you're assessing. Yes, you get the fast time, but you also want to see how high they jump, how far they jump, uh, the shuttles, change of direction. Yeah. Then you get into the positional drills. Each position requires a battery of kind of skills that will enable you to have a level of success. So by each position, you'll look at some of those drills to see how guys perform that because it gives you kind of a baseline of what their athleticism is, and it allows the scouts to huddle up with the coaches to then figure out who do we need to go on the road and see so we can kind of dig a little deeper when it comes to the pro days. Every draft class has a signature where there is a couple of positions that are just really rich in talent, and it varies from year to year, obviously. What would you say is the most depth uh, at a position in this draft? Tight end is really special. The tight ends in this draft class have an opportunity to be special, like guys that come in and make immediate contributions. So Michael Meyer from Notre Dame, yeah. Don Kincaid from Utah, Darnell Washington from Georgia. Those guys are outstanding. Cornerback is another position that has a lot of talent. I will say it doesn't necessarily have the blue chippers like last year when we saw a Sauce Gardner and, and Daryl Stingley, but there are a lot of guys that from about the middle of the first round to the top of the third round are going to be immediate starters that make contributions. And so the Cam Smiths of the world, the Kaylee Ringos, even the lighter Emmanuel Forbes, yeah. those guys are going to be able to come in and start and make big-time contributions in your scheme. Man, and that's what – you've mentioned so many names that this Minnesota Vikings team, when it comes to cornerback, are looking to, you know, hopefully slide to them, especially Emmanuel Forbes. I've heard that name a lot. Uh, but, you know, you know cornerback is going to be probably an option for the Vikings every year, every team drafts offensive linemen. But the tackle position is a, a position that I know you talked about it, but also Ryan Grigson, senior, vi senior vice president of player personnel for the Vikings, basically said that's a position that doesn't have the premium talent, but it's a very talented group. Yeah, there's your a thoughts on that? Yeah. There, there is a talented group of uh, offensive tackles. And you're right. When we talk about this draft, most drafts have anywhere from 18 to 24 first round picks, like guys that are consensus first round grades, no matter what team you work for, no matter what scheme you run. This year, that number may move down to like 15. And so you have 15, like what we call upper end blue chip prospects. However, there are a bunch of what we call reds and goals, guys that are real solid players, guys that are starters, guys that have the ability to walk on the field and make contributions, but they may not be that immediate Pro Bowl player, all-star level player. At offensive tackle, you have some of those guys. And so you're hearing names like Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Yeah. Right tackle, big, physical, Mauler brawler type. Uh, from up your way, Cody Mock from 
North Dakota State. Guy that has played five different positions in college. The versatility will lend him to be a guy that could be a swing player that is coveted. And so that offensive tackle class has guys that may not have the sizzle, but they'll give you a lot of substance substantial play right away and uh, and adding on to that point ryan was like you know with the tackle position it, there's a thin line when you know a guy's going to be a good tackle in the nfl versus a good guard from an expert analysis what are some traits that kind of separate that well the guys on the edges uh they never have to have like the size of a bear but dance like <laughs> ballerinas you know and That's so when you think about the division um and i had this conversation with a former nfl head coach today he said the biggest mismatch that you have in football is the offensive line versus defensive linemen. You have athletes on offense that are running 5'2", five, 5'4", five, 40s versus guys that are running 4'6". And so now you talk about being in space, having to deal with those superheroes that can leap tall buildings in a single mm-hmm. bound. So crazy. now when you think about your tackles, they have to have uh, quickness to lateral slide and mirror and shuffle and stay in front of those guys while having – the strength and balance and body control to anchor when those guys engage and take them on. So the difference is an athletic difference between a tackle and a guard. In a guard, we always talk about a good guard can use his neighbors, meaning he has the center or the tackle to his right or left. So he understands that if I can win in a small space, I can use body help to help me. Well, when you're out on the island, you can't do that. And so the difference is those guys inside, they're scrappy, they're tough, they have a level of like strength and physicality where they can move people were also balanced. The problem is now people have gotten wise to those guys yep. that play with body help and they take that talented outside guy and put him over the guard and they wear him out. So now you're getting to the point where you can't really hide, <laughs> as they say, the fish, you can't hide them. You have to be able to have five guys up front. And so that's why it really is important that when you're evaluating the O-line as a whole, you try and get five really good guys that are talented. I think that the Vikings have been trying to do that for a while now, Indeed. drafting a couple of offensive linemen in the first round. I, You know, I know corners a lot is, is a very popular opinion about where the Vikings would go with pick number 23, but would there be a value pick at 23 if you go offensive lineman? Uh, I mean, look, they, there could be, because you never know how the draft's going to play out. That's like, true. We're still waiting to see how the trades are going to happen. Yeah. If the Chicago Bears decide to trade out of number one, who knows how the rest of the dominoes drop. All it takes is like, one unexpected pick to leave someone somewhere there. Uh, Osiris Torrance from Florida is a guard that everyone wants. Now, for him to get down to 23, it take a couple things yeah. to happen. Right now, I would say he probably grays out in the middle, maybe 15. We're talking about him coming off the board in the top 15, but you never know. Uh, he's a dominant player at the point of attack. Massive baller brawler type. The big thing is, the reason you talked about the Vikings drafting so many linemen over the past couple of years, Whenever you change schemes yeah. and change your emphasis on how you want to run the ball or what you want to pass protect, it requires different guys. So, for instance, when Gary Bradbury came, it was a team that wanted to get on skates because the old Kubiak system, zone run, yeah. you want to run, elephants on parade is kind of what they talked about. When that's a little different, Kevin O'Connell may want to come downhill a little more. Right. So now you have a little more mass, a little more girth. And we're also seeing a sea change in how defenses are playing. So now if you have that light offensive line, they're getting mauled and brawled by these big defensive linemen. So that's why you have so much change and turnover. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do yeah. from an identity standpoint offensively. Maybe this is a dumb question. No dumb no, questions. No, yeah, no dumb questions. But it, it, we, you always talk about, you know, the best players on the best team. And the best player on our team is Justin Jefferson. 
So for teams that are looking to draft a cornerback in the first round, is is that your threshold? Like, can this guy come in right away and, and guard some of the top Ooh. receivers, or is one of those guys because you know, yeah. like the Sauce Gardeners of the world? Yeah. So so that's the thing, and I think that's really important the distinction because as we're teaching you guys to scout, and as you guys yeah. are gonna be the experts uh, in Minnesota Vikings, learn land, from the best. That's the standard. So what you have to do is, so when you're evaluating wide receivers now, Justin Jefferson would now be the standard. Right. So everyone that you talk about, when you look at these guys, how do they compare to Justin Jefferson? Right. And what he was able to do right away coming into the league because we'll use him as the gold standard because he's a top five receiver. So that. So now in reverse, when I look at cornerbacks, who are the guys that are going to be able to match up with him and all the stuff that he does? Because we saw him twist and turn all kinds of guys around mm, it's, top corners. It's ridiculous. So now when you're looking at your cornerback, who has the athleticism, who has the movement skills, they can turn and transition. Who are the guys that are the decathletes that can do all those things <laughs> right. and deal with that? Because if you don't have a certain set of skills in your toolbox, you have no chance. And so that's why you want to keep the standard high when it comes to evaluating. That's why everyone can't have a first-round grade. We can't give out gold stars to everybody. Like right. We have to make sure that there's a level of discretion that you have to really be special to say, hey, you're a first-round pick and that's how we view you. How do you refine your scouting skills year after year with the way that the game changes and the the, the level of talent or the body types of these guys coming out? And how has it changed? Hey, look um, at his hair. Look at his hair. He, he just loses hair every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what, you know what's so great about these things? Is so, what's so great is like a lot of guys around the league like will call and they'll give you a hard time while also offering advice. And so when I talk to the guys or whatever, like that are working in the league and, and doing it for their teams, like they'll kind of lead you to the water and they'll talk about the way the league is changing. We'll have conversations about that. And then what you do is you learn from your previous mistakes. Guys that you thought were going to be great, that weren't. Guys that you didn't think highly of, but end up becoming really great players. Um, it's funny that you bring up J.J. Uh, Jefferson because his old college wide receiver coach, Jerry Sullivan, so years ago when J.J. was coming out, I think I might have had him either five in my top five or maybe he might have been out the list early. And Jerry Sullivan called me yeah. and was like, you're wrong. Oh, wow. You're going to be wrong. This dude is legit. And he said, I'm telling you right now, he was the dog of our offense. And so even though Jamar Chase was the dude, the dog was Justin Jefferson. Wow. And I had to call him and text him after his rookie season be like, you were right, man. I got you. <laughs> you got it. Oh, I got you. But he did. He, he lit me up. Because <laughs> he, he saw something on Twitter. I was like, coach, what are we doing? Yeah. He's like, he's like, hey, man, I'm telling you, you're wrong. And I, and I told him. But there, there are things that you do. It's, it's just like as we continue to improve in our business. Yeah. You look back at your performances. You try and figure out where you can get better at. Yeah. And if you have like pride in what you do, you always kind of work on that and build on it. That's a really good point. And uh, I guess that kind of brings me to my next point because – cornerback, offensive line. Those are two positions for sure that the Vikings will most likely try to attack. But for, for you on the expert side, is there a position or an underrated position that you can see the Vikings targeting with their five well, four, five picks thus far? Well, talk about Brian Flores coming over on defense. I think we all would say that the defense might have held the Vikings back from fully maximizing their potential. And so you want the team to be fast on defense because when you're fast on defense, you create more turnovers. You make more splash plays. And so at the second level, linebacker could be a spot where you're looking for guys that can make impact plays. Uh, Eric Kendricks has been in the middle for a long time. But you got to have some guys that can run, that can make plays or whatever, maybe to play alongside him while he's continuing to dispense the knowledge. Up front, 
someone to be an, a playmate with Daniil Hunter. How can you create sack production? Yeah. In this league, there are a few different ways that you can build a team. But if the offense is going to be what the offense has been, then it's about pass rushers and corners. Because to close the game out, you got to be able to sack the quarterback and you got to be able to cover on critical downs. Pass rushers and corners. So we can talk about those other spots. Someone has to be able to hunt. And when you look at the blueprint of the Vikings, historically, when they've been good, they've been able to get sacks. Right. And you can get sacks with a four-man front. That is the best because then you don't have to blitz. Yeah. So do you have enough bodies up front to be able to get after because you have to be able to knock the quarterback down to win? And I guess that, you know, that kind of brings me to my um, my next point. I think we talked a little bit about this last year. Is just, you know, how do you build a defense? Um, mm. You know, outside in or inside out? The new way to play great defense in the league, you got to have at least one guy on the inside that can dominate. And then you have to have at least one, but maybe two. But you have to have someone up the middle to impact the quarterback because those guys like Aaron Rodgers that are sitting from the middle of the pocket, they're uncomfortable when someone's right in their face. And so the ball is out before the edge guys can get there. So if you think about give me a pass rushing defensive tackle that can dominate on the inside, give me speed guys on the edges that understand how to rush the passer without getting past the depth of the quarterback, you can do it that way. Yeah. And then on the outside, a lot of it depends on style of defense and how you want to play. You can elect to be a high-pressure, man-to-man cover team. Well, now you need athletes on the outside yeah. to cover. If you're going to be one of the teams, and we saw the Philadelphia Eagles do this, they didn't necessarily blitz a lot, but they were able to get home with their front four. Well, now you play coverage, you're playing zone, eyes on the quarterback, take the ball away, and those things. A lot of it is being able to look at what you have. I only have five picks. Right. How much money do I have in free agency? What's the quickest way for us to get up and going? Yeah. Kevin O'Connor may say, hey, offensively, we're always going to be able to score 27 to 30 points. Well, now we may be a little more bend but don't break. Right. Let them have the yards between the 20s and be really good in the red zone. Yeah. So a lot of it is looking at your team. People always talk about complimentary ball. Right. But complimentary ball is understanding all of that. Where, where's the strength of the team? Okay, the strength of the team is their offense. Well, defensively, how can we complement them? All right, we just need to bend but don't break. Don't right. give up big plays. Make them drive to the length of the field, and we can win that way. Man, Kevin O'Connor used that. He he kind of summarized that to situational football. And he said that's what the Minnesota Vikings team last year, I guess defense was summarized as. You give up a lot of points, but it was kind of bend but don't break. And you play well in certain situations, and you can win those close games. So that's a, that's a really good point. So we, with Kevin, he would probably say, like, it probably drove him crazy that he gave up so many points. Yep. He probably doesn't care about yards. Points are the thing. And so if you think about it, turnovers, points allowed. Those are the things that decide games. So, hey, let's turn the ball over. Let's make sure that we don't give up the big plays. Yep. And if they bog down, kick a bunch of field goals, you're not going to beat us kicking field goals. Right. My last question for you. Um, I know you cover a lot of teams, and um, there's always a theme for every team. What's your biggest theme for the Vikings, just overarching general view of the Vikings that can help them get over that edge? Well, the thing that, that you want to see from the Vikings to take the next step, they won a lot of close games last year. You don't know if Lady Fate is going to play out the same way this year. So if I'm Kevin O'Connell standing for the team, how can we get to the point where we dominate? Right. Like we want to dominate on offense. And so to create a dominant offense, what does that look like? Is that a us being able to run the clock out? Is that finding someone else to go with Justin Jefferson to be able to put more points on the board? Who can occupy in the middle? I mean, TJ Hawkinson coming over gave them another guy, but right. How you, can you continue to build upon 
what you've been able to do on offense to be a dominant offense instead of a really good offense. Look, I could talk to you all day about draft content. Um, this is, you know, the podcast version. I know before the draft, I'll be reaching out to do a video version of it once everything gets, you know, settled down. But uh, from North Carolina to North Carolina, we talk about it all the time. Appreciate you, my man. No, man, it's all good. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, sir. Uh, that's Bucky Brooks uh, for Tatum Everett. My name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you again for tuning into this Kind Bond edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Talk to you next week. Woo.